Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. It may sound a little strange at first tonight, but hang with me, because God really showed me something this week, and, and it's my only job is to show you what he shows me. Um, those of you who want to be a minister, a worship leader, whatever, those of you who want to do God's work, let me tell you what you are and what you are not. You are not the attraction. I am not the attraction. But what you are is the tour guy, right? Your job is to point people towards the attraction. The attraction does the impact, okay? You're just the tour guide, so that's, that's what I am tonight. God showed me something, and I just want to guide you to it. And It'll take a little while, but I'm so excited to share with you. So in that purpose in mind, um, you know I'm an interactive preacher. I like getting you engaged. Is there anyone here who likes photography, likes taking pictures? Let me see some hands. Keep them up. Keep them up. That's a lot of people. Okay, more than I suspected. That's great. I love photography. It's been a hobby my whole life. When I was broke in college, I did wedding photography, event photography, you know, try to pay some bills. I wasn't very good, to be honest, but I enjoyed it and I loved it. But I want to tell you the real reason I love photography is because photography actually gave me my wife. Now, those of you who are real theological, God gave me my wife, okay, especially if you know about her, but it happened through a photography event. So... I, by the way, marital advice, if you're going to public speak ever about your spouse, always get permission to share a story first. I didn't do that. So we'll see how this goes. But Lindsay, my beautiful wife, is up here patting the bum of my sweet baby, Maverick, uh, our sweet baby. She, she did a lot more work than me. The way I met this girl was through photography. I had a good friend who him and I would shoot weddings together and all the different photography gigs that we would get here and there. And he told me about this girl named Lindsay. And he's like, bro, you got to come meet her. He told me once I had just started law school. I was trying to get serious about my life, you know, get in the books. Like, nah, nah, man, that's, that's not what I'm, you know, that's not what I'm looking for right now. He, again, days later, no, you got to meet her. Come on. I'm doing this work with her. Um, she was Miss Lynchburg, Virginia, y'all. That's the town, y'all. That's the town we lived in, in school. Yes, that is a, a pageant, but a good Christian one. Okay. So don't get all judgy. Um, she was Miss Lynchburg, and she was getting some photos done for her competition in this. It was great. She got all kinds of scholarship at school from it. It was a big deal. It was a good thing. Anyways, so this is all I knew. There's a girl named Lindsay, Miss Lynchburg, come to a photo shoot. My buddy asked me a third time, and I'm like, dude, I just know, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to meet someone right now. But the third time, he did something a little different. The third time, he showed me a picture of her. <laughs> I was like, bro, why didn't you lead with that the first time? I would have been there days ago. Of course I'll come and meet her. So anyways, I met her, and uh, we hit it off. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. She actually did have a boyfriend at the time. Um, 
but we dealt with that. I'll leave those stories aside, you know. When you're a preacher, you shouldn't share too much, personally. We dealt with that, and a couple days later, she didn't have a boyfriend anymore. We'll just say that, yeah. Yeah, hey, if the ring ain't on the finger, y'all, don't tell your Sunday pastor that I told you that at the river. Goodness gracious. Um, Anyways, photography, that's how I met her. We've been married now eight years, coming up on nine. Best decision ever made in my life after salvation. She's incredible. So I I love photography. Um, Her mama is here tonight. Give Beth a big round of applause. What could be finer than a mama from North Carolina? Um, Guys that are single in the room, I know there's a lot of you that are single because every week I ask these questions and there's so many single people here. Let me tell you the key to getting the girl of your dreams. The mom. It's your way in, okay? The the, the dad automatically hates you, okay? So it's an uphill battle that eventually you will win if you're a God-honoring, God-fearing young gentleman. But the mama is the way in. It's the way I got in with her. Truth be told. Right, Beth? Am I lying? It's true. Um, so she's going to help me, actually. Could you hand me a couple things? Could you care for my child and hand me things? Thank you. You're the best. Um, did I share too much? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Um, there's two things in my hand right now. And some of you are going to have no idea what these things are. Um, first one, if you're over 20 years old, keep your mouth up politely closed right now. Under 20. Do you know what this is? Oh, I'm shocked. Somebody under 20 said it. This is film. Right. This is a film canister. Um, Let me get it out here real quick. 35 millimeter film, to be specific. Uh, I know we haven't seen something like this for a very long time, but but here it is. And there's another thing that I want to talk to you about. This thing I love, man. Me and this thing go way back, like way back right here. Anyone know what this is? This is a disposable 27-photo, 35-millimeter water-resistant, very different than waterproof, read read the fine print, disposable camera. You know, those of you who remember, it it makes a little crank. Hear that? Cranking up. And then, look through the little thing. Smile. Boom. Picture taken. No idea if it's good or not. It's got advertising on the back. No clue. This, uh, I, I don't really know exactly where I got this. It, I was probably a kid in 1999 uh, in the checkout line at Blockbuster. Y'all remember Blockbuster, right? Um, Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears were probably playing on the store uh, PA um, in that moment. That's probably where I got it from. I'm not really sure. It's very, very hard to find these things. And honestly, for good reason, because photography has come a long way. There are like 10 photographers in here tonight. Someone's taking a picture right now. Stand up, Leo. Give Leo a big round of applause. Show him, show him the back of your camera. Show him the back of your camera. You see that beautiful screen? What is that, a Sony A7 II? You got a prime lens on that? What do you got? It's an APC lens. Okay, that's cool. It's a mirrorless, beautiful camera. Sorry, tech talk. The back of his had a nice... Uh, screen on it. The back of mine's got nothing. Big, big difference. He takes a picture. He instantly checks it and sees if it's good or not, right? Massive development in the world of photography. That photo I just took of you guys, I have no idea if it's amazing or total, utter garbage. I have no idea. No feedback. Um, No review. Can't check what you've done. No preview before you take the picture. This is where it gets really damaging. No filters at all. 
right? I know you people with the skinny filters. I, I've checked them out before. Um, checked them out. No Photoshop, right? No blemish removal. No stretching to look more thin. Yes, I know we do that. Nothing. Um, just straight up photo. No idea if it's good. Not going to find out for a very long time if it's good or not. Um, but I have so many memories in my life. My 80, uh, at the time, he was an 89-year-old grandfather, brought this to my wedding eight years ago, and he used this all night, and the pictures just were horrible that he got. But he loved it. He had a great time doing it. Um, I was on a trip as a kid to Israel once. My, my family was leading a, an Israel tour trip, and there was this lady. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. There was this lady on the trip who was more mature, more mature in age. I'll call it that for some of you in the room tonight. Um, and she was, you know, she was set in her ways. Let's just say that. And she liked everything done in her own way. She wasn't going to listen to anybody, you know, which on a tour, you kind of have to go with the flow. So anyways, she was <laughs> causing some problems, and she had one of these, and it had a flash on it. And I was watching her take pictures, and unfortunately, once we were in the bus, and she did not realize that the viewfinder that you look through was not the flash. And she put that bad boy right about there. And you know in those moments where you're like, no, but then the cardinal part of you is like, yeah. <laughs> and then she takes the picture. And I mean, I don't think she could see for the next three days. This is a Holy Land trip, like once in a lifetime opportunity. Anyways, all that to say, photography has come a long way since these bad boys. A very, very long way. With these... You take the picture, click, the image is made, and there's nothing more you can do about it. Boom, that's it. The image, the image is done. Why am I telling you all of that? Because I think there's actually a similarity. Just throwing stuff around. I think there's actually a similarity, an analogy that can be drawn. You'll just entertain me for a minute. With the way film photography works and with the way that your life and my life works and how God works. See, you take that photo, and at that very instant, that photo is taken, and it is set, and the image is what the image is. In the same kind of way, when God thought you up, and when God created you, when, he, when Jeremiah 1.5, when, when he formed you in the womb, but not just when he formed you, actually before that, he, what, he knew you, and he set you apart. What that tells you is that before you were even in your mama's womb, God already had taken the picture of your life. He had already set the photo. He had already set the image. He had already taken the picture. And you and I, we don't know what it is, especially when we're babies. When we grow up, we hope that we learn more about what that purpose, that plan, that calling is on our life. But we do know some things about it. Jeremiah 29, 11, which you've probably seen over your grandma's stove. It's going to come up on the screen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You can't come to church and not clap after reading that. Come on. It's a, it's a rule if you're new to church. It's a rule. Okay. Um, but it gives us some insight. And, and it tells us what those plans, what that image, what that purpose might be. It's good. It, it, it's a hope and a future, not, not plans to harm you. So he took the image of your life before you were even born. And it's good. We know that, but we don't know much more. See, there's an inference in that verse that's very strong. For I know the plans, as God speaks, okay? 
The inference of that is that you don't and that I don't, right? That we don't know the plans. Are there any planners in the room? You just like to plan your life. You know, I could, you could tell me everything you're doing for the rest of the week. Where, where are my planners at? My hand is so down because that is not me. But that's a lot of you. My wife over here just put her hand up because she is a planner through and through. She loves to plan, and she married a guy who just doesn't make plans. So, you know, we complete each other. It's romantic. It's beautiful. And it never causes any tension or stress, ever. Um, but she's a planner, and, and she doesn't like to be kept in the dark. She likes to know what's going on in the future as much as possible. She's very reasonable with it. She's not crazy. She's amazing. And I'm so thankful to have a planner in my life because I need it. Um, but she likes to plan. But here's, here's the little problem with this analogy that I'm giving you. After the image is taken in a film setting, and after it's done, you don't get to see it right away. You have to wait, and then you have to go through a certain process called development, right? You have to develop that film. Now, you can't change the picture. That picture that I took, that's whatever number photo on that, that I almost said phone because Cameras and phones now are just the same thing. On that camera, I can't change what it is, but I do need to get it developed if I ever want to see it, okay? God has a good plan for you, a hope and a future for you, plans not to harm you, but you and I, our job is to develop it. That's our job, is to develop that so that we can get to see it. But the frustrating part, if you know anything about the film development process, it's tedious, it's long, takes a lot of work and it's expensive. If I get that thing developed, it's going to cost me a lot of money. It's not cheap. It takes time. It's tedious. And the worst part of it is until the very end, you don't get to see the image. And that's so frustrating because if you could look at the beginning and tell if the photo is bad, you'd throw it away and you wouldn't waste your time and your money developing it. But you actually don't get it till the end. You put in all this effort developing, all this effort I won't get into the process, but washing, rinsing, bleaching, that's what it's called. Projecting is the last part that you do through development. And you don't even get to see what the image is while you are doing all that. And honestly, with those little disposable cameras, most of them are terrible, right? The images don't, out, don't come out good. So it's a very interesting thing. But the point of the developing process that I just talked about a little bit, if you're a film developer, is not to rewrite the image that was taken. The point of that whole process is to develop it to a point where you can see it, develop it to a point where you can retain what the thing is that the image actually was taken of, respect the artist behind the lens, what they were trying to do. That's the whole point of the development process, and then you eventually get to see it come out in all its glory on paper or through a projection, okay? So that's boring and long, but that's how the development process works. But here's the tricky part about the development process. Film development only happens in one place. And that one place is the title of my sermon for you tonight, and it's called The Dark Room. It only happens in something called a dark room. It's the only place that you can develop film. Why is that? Because film is very sensitive what do I do with my film? Where's my phone? Did it fall? Oh, thank you. I told you I love this section. Film is very sensitive to light. Without getting into the science of it, on this film is 
is millions of little silver halide crystals that are sensitive to light and light gets burnt in to make an image. What I'm about to do is going to waste this entire roll of film. Waste it. Cheap people in here like, no! Wasted, right? Gone. I just, I just wasted that entire film. Why? Because the light in this environment is going to burn through onto that film, and those are just going to be white images and a slinky that might be fun for my son to play with, so I'm going to keep that. That's actually kind of cool. Wasted. Gone. Because it's not in a protected environment. A dark room is a protected environment where there's only one source of light, red light. Looks very creepy, by the way. Um, where film can be development, developed. And it, it is scary, a dark room. Uh, you can't see well. I think every horror film in the 90s, a murder happened in the dark room while you're developing film. It is a scary place. But what I want to tell you today is that the place where you and I live is actually this place, the dark room. That's the place where we spend the majority of our lives where God's purposes and plans have already been written. We've already been told what they are. We have over 3,000 promises in the Word of God about what those plans and purposes and promises are over our life. It's already been done, but we don't really get to see it yet because we are still in the development process. Make sense? Make sense? So you and I, we live in the dark room, and no one likes to be kept in the dark. No one likes to not know the outcome of a situation. But what I want to tell you tonight, and I'm going to back it up with Scripture soon, is that sometimes God will intentionally leave you in the dark. Sometimes God will intentionally not reveal everything to you. And there's a whole lot of reasons. We can't get into all of them tonight. But but some of the reasons, some of them are if you knew all the things you were going to have to go through, to achieve the plan and purpose that God has on your life, you would just turn and run from him right now. Some of y'all are like, yes, that was, that was me. That's right. And some of you, God has great plans for you. And if you knew them right now, they would make your head so big, you would be filled with so much pride that you wouldn't be able to carry them out. You know, you might find out that you're going to be a CEO, but you start acting like a CEO while you're still an intern. Right? So God... He keeps us sometimes in the dark room for this purpose of development so that you will one day realize the full image that he has for you and so that you and I won't mess it up because I'm very good at messing it up. And, and see, the problem, if he was to reveal it too early, if you were to get some light shown on those shined down on parts of that image, you would actually spoil the image because the image has to be protected until it's ready to be done and out of the dark room, right? In a dark room lab, this, that's the whole thing. You've got to protect the film until it's ready, until it's done. And the dark room is, is very, very stressful. I used to stress about this so much. How many of you are in college or high school or elementary school? Let me see your hands. I suspect there's a lot of you. Okay, look, when I was your age, I used to stress about this so, so much. God, what am I going to be? What is my career going to be? Who is my spouse going to be? What is it that you want me to do? I know you have a good plan for me. I get that preached to me every Sunday, and that's real nice, but what is it? That was me. And and it's frustrating, and it will actually, it it can torture you, and it it did to me for many, many years. But what I want to tell you tonight is that what you do in that dark room, 
what you do in that development process is so, so very important. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where the money's made. It's most importantly where your faith is built. Because if, if you knew it all, every single step, what would you need faith for? God, God works, and maybe you've heard it preached like this before. He works like a turn-by-turn GPS. Turn left. Okay, now turn right. Okay, now go straight. But what we want is a roadmap of our entire life. Right? That's what we want, but that's not how God works. What it takes is developing and developing and obedience, saying yes and saying yes and saying yes. So we all have to go through a development process. And look, the duration of time spent in the dark room, sometimes we determine that ourselves. Like, sometimes we stay longer than God intends for us to stay. Let me give you an example of that in Scripture, the Israelites. 400 years of slavery and bondage, freed under the leadership of Moses by miracle after miracle. And then they have a 12-day journey. What do they do? They turn it into 40 years. Why? Because all they can do in the dark room is despise them. God, you said this. How come we haven't seen that yet? They had a lack of faith in that moment. But then sometimes you're in the dark room for years, and it's really nothing you did. Think of Joseph in the Bible. What was Joseph's big bad thing, right? But he sold He's thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery, and then made a prisoner for years after years. But he didn't do something bad. That's a lot of dark room. And in in that time, he didn't know that he would one day be a ruler in in the most powerful kingdom of the entire world at that time. He didn't know that, that he would be at Pharaoh's right hand. He spent a lot of time in the dark room, and he didn't really do anything to deserve. So what I'm trying to tell you, though, is that that season of development that most of you are in, that I'm still in, that season is critical. But sometimes it's hard. I mean, like, really, really hard. It's not just scary like a Stranger Things logo. Sometimes it's really, really hard. Sometimes it's actually not hard. It's, like, crushing. And you just just feel like there's no way out of it. And you're being crushed and you're crushed. And, And sometimes it's a long, slow thing. Sometimes things are going great, and then one thing will happen that's just so brutal and terrible, and you go, wait, God, this is crushing me. Like, you said you have a good plan for me. Could you just, please just show me it, because I'm suffering so much right now. Has there anyone been in this room that's ever cried that prayer out? Anyone? It could be honest enough to say that. Because I, I've been in that spot in my life many, many times. But I want to share with you an analogy that a preacher shared with me one day. That helped me so much. He was a better storyteller than I am, but he, he told me this analogy. He said, Ryan, it's, it's kind of like this. Think of an eagle. Eagle is a king of the skies. Number one bird, right? Think of an eagle. An eagle sets its nest hundreds of feet, if not hundreds of meters high, right? Eagle's nests are very, very high. And an eagle, when it has a baby, I think it's called an eaglet. Is that true? Did I make that up? Maybe. A baby eagle. When an eagle has a baby, it lives in the nest, and it doesn't leave the nest because the nest is very high. And the eagle goes and gets food and brings it up to the baby, and every day feeds the baby and feeds the baby and feeds the baby, and the eagle helps the baby and helps the baby grow. But then there comes a point where the eagle just stops feeding the baby. And then sometimes there even comes a point where eagle picks up the baby eagle, eaglet. Is it right? I don't know. Picks up the baby eagle. Stay with my story. Stop laughing at me. 
picks up the baby eagle, brings it up, and just drops it. Hundreds of feet high. And this is just a baby. And you get in the mind of the baby eagle, what is the baby thinking in that moment? Mom, I thought you loved me. You've been feeding me every day. This is not meant to be funny. Why are you laughing? And, and, and all of a sudden, in that moment of complete fear, while the eagle is dropping and it's hysterical and it doesn't know what to do, it starts freaking out and its wings start to flap and all of a sudden, the eagle starts to take flight. And now the very thing that the baby eagle thought would be the end of it, the thing that would crush it, the thing that thought it was the ultimate betrayal, my mom who, I, who was supposed to love me did this to me, all of a sudden, in all that hysteria, it learns how to fly and it gets the skill that it will need for the rest of its life to be the king of the skies. That analogy, as silly as it might seem, sometimes there are some things that we have to go through to learn the lessons that God needs to teach us and to develop the faith that we will need for the assignment that he has called us for. God doesn't do anything without a purpose. Ephesians says that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's true. He does. He doesn't do anything without a purpose. And you might ask, well, that all sounds great about eagles, but is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. It's actually a theme all throughout the Bible. And it's directly in the Bible in our scripture tonight, which I want to show you in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 6 is going to come up on the screen. This is Peter starting off his book, the first chapter, and verses 1 through 5 talks about what your inheritance will be. You as believers in Christ, you have an inheritance in glory with God. And, and he describes how amazing that is. And then in verse 6, he gets to here and he says, In all this, in that inheritance, you will greatly rejoice. Though, now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Is there anyone here who has all kinds of trials? Relate. Yeah. Not just one. <laughs> There's been a few, and they certainly caused me grief. See, he first describes how great things are ultimately going to be. But he says, for a little while, you may have had necessity, had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then it goes on in verse 7 to explain why. Peter says, these have come, though, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Let me pause before we keep going. What Peter is now saying to you is the reason why those trials that you've experienced, that grief that you're enduring still even tonight as you sit here today, why is all of that happening? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, the most valuable thing that there was in the time of Bible, of the Bible, so that you can build your faith. That's what he's saying. He's trying to get you and me to understand the value of building your faith, the genuineness of your faith that is of unparalleled value, that gold and things of this world cannot even compete with. And, and see, today we live in a world, sidebar for a second, we live in a world today of so much knowledge, right? We live in a world where you have access to knowledge that you never could have had 50 years ago. The internet has completely changed things, right? Um, you want to be an expert on a subject, you can whip up Google and with the two thumbs in your hand, just lecture me on it, 
Like you could find so much knowledge so quickly now. You have access to it, but there's been a result of that. See, you used to have to apply wisdom to attain knowledge. You'd have to work hard. You'd have to dig through a library. You'd have to go through some experiences. You'd have to get a degree. You'd have to do something like that. But now it's at your fingertips. And the, the result of that is today we live in a world with so much knowledge but so little wisdom. Right? People who are smart, they know a lot of facts and they can find out a lot of facts. But what we really lack in 2023 is wisdom. That's, that's the result of that. And, and see, wisdom is necessary to have if you're going to have knowledge. So take that to another analogy. If God has a good plan for you, like I told you, like the prophet Jeremiah told you, a hope and a future, if he has blessings for you, sometimes you have to go through the development process so that you can handle the weight of those blessings that are coming. Because God blessings are big blessings, y'all. You can clap about that. God blessings are not little kinds of blessings. They're the type of blessings that will change your life and change the life of those around you. But if you're not ready for the blessing, if you haven't gone through the development process, that can be a crushing thing too. Not just the development trials. The blessing can actually crush you. I had a friend in college, and uh, he was so excited one day. He told me, bro, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, what? He says, my dad won the lottery. Wow, cool. I'm thinking like maybe he got five grand or something. I'm like, no, my dad won $2 million in the lottery. Everyone's like, praise Jesus. I wish that was me. Right? $2 million. And uh, I kept contact with him for many years, and, and we're still friends, and he would say the same thing to you. I'm not talking bad about him or his dad. That $2 million absolutely ruined his dad's life. His dad was a hardworking mechanic, making an honest living, good dad, God-fearing, you know, hardworking. He won that money. The next thing he did is he quit his job. He didn't work anymore. He lost his purpose. Every day he'd go to the store, just buy beer and play video games. And, and that's what his life changed into. And that took him down a dark, dark, terrible road. And that $2 million actually destroyed him. Every single one of you in this room would be like, $2 million is a blessing and I will accept it and I will not drink beer and play video games if I get it. Right? But, but it actually crushed him because he didn't go through the development process. It just came like that. See, we, we have to spend our time in the dark room. Developing is hard. Developing film is a hard process. It's meticulous. It takes very obedient work. There's rules that you have to obey while you're developing film. There's rules that God has given us in the scripture that we have to obey if we want to see the plans and purposes that he has on our life. Developing is hard, but getting now almost to the end. Here, here is the great part about developing. When you're developing film, the very last step is the best. You've done all this stuff, and then now at the very last step, you get to do something called projection and printing. And you get to take the film, which has been developed, and you get to shine a light on it, and you get to see the image actually come out. And you get to see all the color, and you get to see all the details, and you get to see the artist's intention and why he or she took the photo in that way, and you get to see the beauty of it all. So too is it the same that there will come a day where you will get to see why you went through what you went through. Sometimes it happens in this life and sometimes it happens in eternity, but there will be a day where you get to see why you went through what you went through. 
why you were in that development season. And, and that moment in developing film is so beautiful because the detail that film provides, digital cameras still can't compete with. Film is of ultimate detail. All the creations of this world, all the material things of this world, they still can't compete with the type of image that God can create for you in your life. They can't. But see, we don't see our life at the beginning as a completed image. We're linear beings, theologians call it. And we just move step by step and we just see little pieces of the puzzle. And that can be very, very frustrating. Not knowing what that image is can tear you up. And I know there's some of you in the room who were like me before. We're not knowing what you were going to do or what your purpose was or what your calling was. Just, just tears you up. That was me for so, so long. But I want to show you something tonight that God just, this is something that changed my life. An epiphany he gave me. And it's not an epiphany, it's just the word of God. You know, when you will study the word of God, sometimes he will reveal things to you. And you've been in Sunday school your whole life and you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it. But then just in a moment, he can reveal something with you that that will just make a change that you can't even explain. And this was the moment for me because I was so concerned about who I was going to be and what I was going to do and who I was going to marry. And those things stressed me out so much. And some of you are 60 years old and you're still asking a lot of those same questions. It's not just something that young people suffer with. You go to a new stage of life and you're going, now where's my purpose? I want to show you what happened when I studied 1 Peter chapter 1. I only read you earlier half of verse 7, the proving of the genuineness of your faith going through grief and all kinds of trials. But what I really want you to see is the second half, and it's going to come up on the screen right now. These have come, so the proving genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, wait, wait, that's a good reason to clap, because Jesus Christ is always worthy of praise, glory, and honor. So it's good that you clap, but wait, I want you to see it the way that God revealed it to me. Think of it in the context of this analogy. Before you were formed in the womb, God had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you. He already drew the image. He already made the beautiful tapestry of your life. And you've been stressing so much, saying, God, what is it? Just show it to me. Just show it to me. What is it? Is it that I'm going to be a nurse? Is it that I'm going to be a doctor? Is it that I'm going to be a minister? Is it that I'm going to be an engineer? God, what is it? God, show me what that image is. I'm in the dark room. I've been developing. I'm obeying your rules, God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the things that I should do in the development process. Just show me what that image is for my life. I need to know what it is. What Peter is telling you here tonight, and, and he said it 2,000 years ago, and he's saying it again here tonight. Is that image for your life that was drawn by your creator? I know you've been thinking that it's, it's going to be your spouse. I know you've been thinking it's going to be your career. I know you've been thinking it's how you're going to serve people. All those things are good, but that is not the image that he cast for your life. The image that is revealed and cast for your life is this. Jesus Christ being revealed. That's what the image is. That's what your purpose is. That's what my purpose is. That's what his plan is. And wait, I know it sounds so simple, but I can't let a single person 
miss this in the room. Your purpose is not to be a doctor. Your purpose is not to be a nurse. Your purpose is not to be a carpenter. That is not your purpose. That is your career, and God can work your career out. Your purpose is not even your spouse. You've got to be a good spouse. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to see him more, to see Jesus Christ revealed more clearly. That's your purpose. And here's the very best part as we're getting ready to go back into worship in a moment. Here's the very best part. When you seek Jesus Christ, when you stop trying to figure out what that image is going to be and how he's going to use you and what that career is going to be and how you're going to pay this bill, when you stop all of that and when you seek him first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says something. It says, if you will seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all those other things will be added. And now you don't have to stress about him anymore. It's so simple. The gospel is not complicated. The application of the gospel is difficult. So I want you to see this application tonight. And look, you can seek him first as a carpenter. You can seek him first as a plumber. You can see him, seek him first in marketing. Good Lord, you can even seek him first as a lawyer. Sorry, Deb and Shannon and Michael and Dan and the other lawyers that are in this room. I was almost that, so I got saved from that. <laughs> I apologize, and then I say that. But look, it doesn't mean you got to get on the stage and be a pastor. You can seek him first in other areas, but the point is this. We have to seek him first, and then those purposes will be added. But we spend so much of our life worrying and stressing. What am I going to be? What am I going to do? Now my kids are out of the house. What's my purpose? What should I do? Seek him. That's your purpose. And then all those other things will be added. It's so simple, but it's so complex. We make it so complex in trying to seek out all these other things. Would you stand to your feet? Because we're going to get back into worship in a minute now. But I hope you've got two takeaways from what I've been telling you for the past 30 minutes. The image has already been taken. He knows what it is and you don't. That's step one. Accepting that is hard. It's a good image. It's a hope for you and it's a future for you. And you can rest assured in that. But now is your job and that is called the development process. Now it's your job to develop that image. And that image is not just good. That image is perfect because that image is Jesus Christ. So your job now is to develop him in you. That's what First Peter is saying. That's what your job is. The second takeaway I hope that you got is that in a dark room, I didn't tell you much about this, but in a dark room, there's really just one rule. And that is that you don't let outside light, outside things, come in and spoil the artist's intent in the image. You live in a world today, and I live in a world today, that wants to do everything it can to shine its light into your dark room. And change that image that God has set for you. What is that image? That image is Jesus Christ. 
What am I telling you in a lot of words? The world wants you to serve it and not him. So while you're in the dark room, while you're developing, stop worrying about what it's going to be. That won't achieve anything except keep you up till 4 a.m. and make you grumpy in the morning so you're mean to your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. It's already been cast. Seek first him. Don't go to him eight. Don't go to him nine. You know, the Bible is the ultimate source of wisdom. It says seek him first. It doesn't exclude you from seeking other things. Sometimes you need a doctor, man. Sometimes you need a mental health professional. But it does say seek him first. Go to him first. And then all, all these other things will be added that you've been stressing about. So if you've got problems in your relationship tonight, I don't know the solution. I can't give you the steps. I don't know the context. But I can tell you this, that you need to seek him first. And then it will be worked out. You might have to take other steps, but seek him first. If you have depression tonight, if you feel alone in this world and you have anxiety tonight and you have things ahead of you that you just don't know how you're going to overcome, seek him first. The image has always been him and the image always will be him. So that's your job. And that's my job. It's to stop worrying about the image. It's already done. It's already done. It's Jesus Christ. Just don't let the light of the world come in and outshine the only thing that is actually the light of this world.